We've been walking through this series about the table, and I just want to remind us where we've been and where we're going. And uh, we started out by the disciples getting this just extravagant request to go make room. Go make room for a meal. Go find this person who doesn't know you're coming in and make room. And, and last week, we started off uh, talking about who's the guest of honor. And we read through Luke 14 through some sections, and we're going to actually resume that story today. Uh, but we talked about when you show up, not to make yourself the guest of honor, put yourself into the place of honor, and not see those around you, but, but to show up, sit in the back, sit back and, and look at the, the people who are there, and, and take a different vision of the room. And so Luke's going to continue, and he's going to talk about invitations, and the right invites, and how to invite people uh, to God's kingdom. And so I'm just going to Rewind for us. And I'm just going to start where we started yesterday, read that text through until we get to our text today. So you can really just be immersed into this story. And, and this story is just one of those powerful ones where we're just going to let Jesus talk today. We're going to let Jesus invite us into something today. So I'm going to start in Luke 14, and, and eventually verse 12 is where we're going to focus on. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house, of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were all watching him closely. And just then in front of him, there was a man who had dropsy. And Jesus asked the lawyers and Pharisees, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. And so Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. And then he said to the people there, if one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen in a well, will you not immediately pull it out on the Sabbath day? And they couldn't reply to this. And so when he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he, he, held a, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here now, Jesus also said to them, he said to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who invited, Hey, come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have, brought, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. And another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to the master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets, into the lanes of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and the lanes and compel people to come in so that, they, that the house might be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The word of the Lord. We talked last week about how Jesus is a dangerous dinner guest. Uh, he's going to push the status quo. He's going to invite new change and opportunity. And if you like the status quo, you probably don't want Jesus at your dinner party. And so he, he heals this man that people are like, ah, this isn't the right time for that. And he goes in to talk about the way that people sit in, in seats of honor. And, and he's going to go into that some more. Of Do you think of yourself too highly? Do you put yourself too high in the places of honor? And so he tells a very interesting comment. Now, if you're at dinner and you were invited over to someone's house, and you look around the room at the people there, and you tell the host, hey, when you invite people to a party, here's who you should invite. Looking around at everybody else in the room. Like, that's not going to make anybody feel comfortable, right? Of, hey, here's how you should invite people to your parties. And so it's that note that we get into all of these, these illustrations that Jesus is going to share with us. And he says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. He's talking about like, man, stop inviting people for selfish reasons. Like, don't show up to, to a wedding party and, and want to get the place of honor. Also, don't invite people that are going to make you get places of honor. Don't invite people who are just going to repay you and elevate your status and you're thinking oh, if I invite so-and-so, I might get invited to this next event. Oh, I might get that job promotion. I might get this or that. Like, set all that aside. That's not what the table is about. The table is not about what you can get. And so he's like, hey, don't invite the people who can repay you. Instead, go invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's like, hey, go invite some people who can't elevate you, who can't give you honor and give you great things, get you great invites. If you just want to show the bountiful table, just invite people who can't repay you. That it's not about those things. It's about the experience that you're inviting them into. So stop inviting all, all of the celebrities. Stop inviting all of the, those who can pay you back. Invite those who can't, because there might be a greater reward than all of the stuff that you're running after. Man, if I could get that job promotion, if I could get that invite to the, the Met Gala or whatever, I'm trying to think of like these like high-end things that you can only be invited into. God has an even greater blessing, an even greater reward. Live under God's kingdom, not this other social construct that, that ultimately will fail you. Invite those who can't repay you. And again, this is awkward because he's looking around and, and there's some you know, big names probably in the room. There's some people that have honor, that have reputation. And somebody is going to be the person that tries to relieve the tension. You probably know the people in your life, the people that are like, oh, this is awkward and I'm not going to sit in silence. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a pressure valve that releases the tension in the room. 
And so Jesus says this thing about, hey, you're going to get repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And one of the dinner guests, on hearing it, said to them, blessed is anyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. And he's like, let's transition. Aren't we all blessed? We could eat the dinner of the kingdom of God. Isn't that a great thought? Let's all reflect on how we're all going to participate in that resurrection of the righteous. And let's take some comfort food. Let's, let's relieve the awkwardness of this moment. And Jesus doesn't stop. He's going to keep pushing further. Because they assume we're the guests of honor. We deserve to be invited to things. We deserve to be repaid. And we deserve God's blessings. We deserve God's seat at the table. Of course, I get to have the bountiful table of God. And Jesus gives some warning and some caution. Let me tell you a story. He says, uh, somebody gave a great dinner, and he invited many people. All right, so he's invited a lot of people already, right? I don't know if that's uh, invitations, if that's save the dates, you know, whatever kind of invites he's given. Great dinner, lots of invites. And it gets to be time for that dinner. And so he sends his slave, his servant out, to tell those who have already been invited It's ready. Come on over. Doors are open. That great dinner is about to happen. And suddenly, all the people who are on the invite list who said, yeah, I'm going to make it, just start disappearing out the door. They don't show up. And it's kind of an inconvenience, right? The dinner is ready. Now, in that time, there wasn't as much meat access as we have in our grocery stores. Like, you've killed the animal, you've prepared the meal, you've got the drinks, you've got everything ready, and suddenly now everybody's like, you know, I I can't actually make it. And that's a little frustrating to this, this person hosting this dinner. It says in the text, but they all alike began to make excuses. And that's like one of my new favorite verses. Because it feels so real to everyday life. He's like, I've got this great dinner, but they all began to make excuses. And their, their excuses are very interesting. The first one says to him, I bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Now, I don't know if he's just super wealthy and he's actually never, ever seen this land. He's like, Sure. I'll take that property. If you're selling land, I'll take it. Um, You know, I've just bought the property. I need to go see it. Or maybe it's like, well, I bought some property. I've been there, but I haven't really fully done all the inspections. I want to, like, map out in my mind what I'm going to do with this land. But in some way, he's like, hey, I just bought a bunch of property. I'm going to go check it out instead of going to have your great dinner. Please accept my regrets. And another one said, hey, you know, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to go try them out. Please accept my regrets. Now, it's not just kind of weird to us, because it's like, why you got to try the the oxen out? You can do that tomorrow, right? Um, But it's also a a lot. Like, uh, when they talk about how much farming you could do with this, uh, they talk about having over 100 acres of land. So it's like, you've got a lot of things to want to care about this five oxen. He's like, we're going to go test out them. Please accept my regrets. I'm not coming to dinner. Lastly, another person came up and said, I've just been married, therefore I cannot come. This is probably the one that we strike as like the better excuse. Like, oh, we just got married. You know, uh, 
don't, don't bother them, okay? But they're all excuses. It doesn't really matter what excuse they provide. They're just excuses. They, they just don't want to be there. If they wanted to be there, they would be there. If they wanted to be a part of this great dinner, they would be there. There's a hidden, like I think, humor in this story. Um, because all of these people, by saying no, are shaming the host. Because he's putting on this great party, and they're declining it at last minute. And they are trying to kind of destroy his great dinner. Now, there's this weird kind of obscure text in um, the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, from Deuteronomy 20, about reasons you can get out of military service. Of like, what can I do to get out of going to war? And so there's this text here in Deuteronomy 20. I'm going to read for you. It says, the official, the official shall address the troops, saying, has anyone built a new house and not dedicated it? He should go back to the house, or he might die in battle and never, and never get to dedicate it. Has anyone planted a vineyard but not enjoyed its fruit? He should go back to the house, that he might, uh, or he might die in battle and never get to enjoy its fruit. Has anyone become engaged to a woman but not yet married her? He should go back to his house, or he might die in battle and another marry her. This, these excuses feel a lot like those excuses. And it feels a little bit like they're telling him, I'd rather die than go to your party. <laughs> I've got wartime excuses coming for you because I don't want to come to dinner with you. Uh, I've got to go enjoy the fruit of all of my, my, my money, what it has bought me. Go enjoy the fruit of the relationships I have, but I'm not coming to dinner. And all of these people have taken the system that they're in where we give honor back and forth. You can't keep inviting the other well-to-do folks. They invite you to their thing. Suddenly, that system breaks down. Suddenly, somebody says, I'm not coming. And so this host is just left hanging there with his honor, his kind of dignity on the line, and everybody's rejection notices start coming through. And so the man responds to his slave. He, um, he says to him, well, first, he got angry. Mention that. And then he tells the, the slave, go out at once into the streets, into the lanes of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He doesn't say, all right, well, where's maybe the next town over is like best, um, like the, the wealthiest people. Go find all the, the greatest people that I haven't invited yet. He's like, just go into the streets. Find somebody who would appreciate my dinner. Somebody would love a great dinner. These people don't care about it. Somebody will. The, the man didn't go to all of these people giving excuses and say, hey, let me plead my case of why the oxen should wait another day. Let me tell you why you shouldn't go inspect that land today and try to like, I really hope you show up, please, please, and try to address the excuses. The excuses are just fronts. They don't want to be at the dinner. But somebody will want to be there. I, I enjoyed it. I put on Facebook, I asked, hey, what's your favorite excuse when you don't want to go to something? And, and got some responses. A lot of it, like, people are sick, which especially in these days, uh, people are like, uh, you got a COVID symptom, I'm, I get it, stay home. Um, and so sickness, 
Um, some people like to blame their, their, somebody in their family that, oh, we have a prior engagement. You know, so-and-so has something booked. Uh, and we give all these kind of like, well, I, I just can't make it. There was a lot of people who also said, I just say I don't want to go. And when you read those, like, just tell them the truth, you go, yeah, of course. But yet, think in your life, how many times has somebody actually just turned to your invite and said, I have no interest in that? People just don't do that very often. Uh, you might be the special person who introduces that into people's lives. But most of us, you would take, it would take a long time to get back to someone saying, I just don't have any interest in that. Say, I, I want to go um, see a baseball game. You want to go with me? I'm going to go to Detroit and watch the Tigers. And someone say, I hate baseball. I'm not going. I do not want to go. Someone say, hey, you want to go to this play? You want to go to this musical? And say, I hate musicals. I hate plays. I don't want to go. Most people won't do that to you. They want to let you off a little easier. They want to help you feel okay. And say, I would love to. It's just that's not a great opportune moment for me. But another time, another time it'll happen, okay? And all of these excuses come in. The, this person doesn't go, let me try to figure out the excuses. Let me try to rearrange the date of this meal. I'm going to see if I can put my dinner on in, in, in an ancient fridge. Try again later. It says, go out, find somebody who's going to appreciate this. Somebody will enjoy this meal. And probably Employee of the Year award, go out into this story. Um, he, he tells him, go, t- go out into the streets, right? Go out and go find the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the slave says, sir, what you ordered has been done. He already did it. He's, he's already taken care of that part of the request. I knew you were going to get there. It's already been done. There's still room. One of the things that really hit me in the story, because I read the story a bunch of times, and I was always struck by, like, wow, he's a good servant. He's thought ahead. He knows he wants to fill that house. Somebody needs the dinner. But then it hit me why the servant knows to go find the people who could use a dinner. The servant understands not being the one invited. He understands what it's like for everybody that's a somebody to disregard you. Like, the bouncers of the party are there to keep the blind, the lame, the poor out. And the servant knows that experience. The master has to learn, and he has to get to a spot in this story where he invites those people. But the servant has already seen it, and he goes, there's people who will enjoy this dinner. I'll go invite them. He comes back to the master. Here's all the excuses. The master's like, ah. Go find people. It's like, hey, I already did it. Nice to have us on the same page again here. There's still room. And again, I think the servant sees it's not enough. There's more people who could enjoy and love this great dinner. What do you want me to do now? Like, how do you want me to go forward? And this next part of the story always hit me strange. He says, go out, you know, and, and go into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that the house might be filled. And, you know, like our kind of like consent world of like, it feels a little weird to say, hey, compel people to come to dinner. I think that there's an angle of which, because he talks about going to the same places, the same kinds of people. When culture tells you you're not good enough, you're not welcome here, 
you're less than, even when that invite comes, you might still not actually think that actually is an invitation. Like, I, I know you're inviting me, but I know I'm not good enough. I can't come. And I was thinking about that st- this story and remembering, you know, you've got those kind of family stories that stick with you. I was remembering a story of when my parents were, were younger and moving around. Uh, my dad was a retail store manager and then moved to a new location and helped set up the next store, move to the next location. And one of their stops along the way was in um, a smaller city in Mississippi. And this is probably mid-70s, late-70s. And one of the things that my dad was doing was he tried to invite employees over for dinner, get to know employees, get to build relationships. And he invited a, a black employee over for dinner. And the employee told him, I'm sorry, I, I can't come. People will not like it if I show up at your house. There's a, a property that's been burned to the ground in your neighborhood because a black family visited it and looked at buying it. I don't want to put danger on you. I don't want to put danger on us. I don't think I can come. And I think that there are people in life who have been given the message that you are a nobody, that you're not invited, that need more encouragement to say, I know you don't feel like you're the kind of person that belongs. We want you here. You are invited. Come enjoy the great dinner. And so he, he gives this invitation and says, hey, go compel people. Show up. I mean it. You're invited. And then there's the really hard note at the end where I tell you, though, none of those who are originally invited will taste my dinner. That's the part that we're going to save to the end here. But oh, like that invitation that was there, that was spurned, that I didn't care about that dinner, I'm not showing up, you're not invited. Sit in that tension for a little bit. I want to walk you through how do we in- interpret what's going on here. And I'm going to take us through kind of some steps that the early church did of how they would read through text. On the plain level, on the literary, just like the story level, Jesus is sitting in a room of Pharisees and people who have some reputation, some honor, and saying, hey, this dinner would be better if you also invited some people who couldn't pay you back. You're missing out. You're missing out on the kingdom opportunity right now that you could already experience what it's like to have the table where more are invited, where there's room. And the uncomfortableness of whether people hear that or not, that those people are the person that could be the later part of the story. You're inviting all the guests that you think are going to lift you up. They might turn you down. You play by this game, you might get burned by this game. There's a better way to invite people. And so that's what's going on on the story level of this text. But There's also like, how does this text talk about who Christ is? And like, what's the great picture of the Bible and getting to this moment? We have a lot of Hebrew Bible, Old Testament texts that that talk about people being without blemish. Like, who are the people that are best um, situated to offer the sacrifices? The people that are most, uh, that can be closer to God in the temple, things like that. So if you've got some sort of like bleeding issue going on, if you've got some sort of other thing that makes you kind of unclean, so to speak, in their eyes, um, then maybe get outside the camp, spend some time away. And some of the, most of these categories that are mentioned in this text today 
about the people uh, who are poor, crippled, blind, lame, a lot of these people would have been excluded from some of the most pure, most holy places in the ancient religion. And so like, there's a teaching about um, priests, that if you have a priest who has kids, and like, so at some point if a priest has some of these ailments, they can partake of God's table, but they shouldn't be the one to bring the offering to the altar. Uh, we want the unblemished offering, we want unblemished people. What we see in Jesus, though, is a, is a different kind of picture where they are reaching out and saying, everyone who feels excluded, who's marginalized, who's on the outside of society, you are invited in. And we see it throughout Jesus' ministry of who he eats with. He eats with everybody. He eats with people that are tax collectors. He eats with religious leaders. He eats with the poor. He eats with women that are, are you sure you know who this is? And Jesus invites all of those people to the table. So everyone who feels like they don't belong, we actually see in Jesus that God has extended that invite to you. And that's good news. Uh, I, sometimes we, we, never, we don't picture ourselves into the kind of margins, into the outside. Um, if, if you're a Gentile, you, you should probably see yourself a little bit more often in Scripture as I was the one on the outside of this text and have been brought in. And so God's invitation goes even to those who society feels like might be on the outside, on the edges. Morally, what do we do with this story? What is it telling us that we should ethically do? And, and of course, open up the invitations. Um, but it's, it's inviting us to not be selfish in our meals, in our invites. Of Take a look. Are you only inviting the people that are going to serve your own interests, they're going to build you up, or are you inviting more bountifully, more extravagantly, more abundantly? And one of the things that I love about the opportunity for our church as we get to, to our dinner ministry and our cafe is the invite of, no, we mean it, you belong here. Come to the table. And no matter who you are, you're going to get the most, uh, the, the most of my service that I can provide for you. And a place where we can live that out, where people can see it, that yes, you are invited, you are welcome. And it doesn't mean because you're welcome because I think you're going to be a great donor for it. It doesn't mean I think you're going to be like, you're the best chef in the world. I, please come to dinner. I would love to have you help. But I just mean at the table, there's, sp there's room. There's still room. Please come. I also think that many of us need to hear the pivot of this man in the story. There's people in your life that you can't help but you're always trying to get better connected back to. People who just won't give you the love, the affirmation, the commitment. And our stories become repetitive cycles of continually trying to invite it, continually trying to seek it out. Maybe now they'll say yes. Some of us, you need to realize you have something great to offer. You have a great dinner. You are of value. Somebody will appreciate that. Find some people. Find a community. Find a friend. Find someone who appreciates you. That you don't have to keep going back and say, oh, I just really wish they would say something. Oh, the plans don't work out. Sometimes... 
we need to pivot and realize that there are some people who aren't just trying to get ahead, they aren't focused on the, the optics of who, who's my friend and who's not, but some people who will appreciate you. And for some of us, we need to see that both in our personal lives, in our work lives, in our, in our church lives, that sometimes if somebody really doesn't want to be a part, they're like, I hate the dinner, I, don't, I, I think I'm going to die going to this thing. Man, that dinner's not going to be better by forcing the person who hates the dinner to show up to the dinner. They're going to be mad. The people who are at the dinner are going to sense and feel that they're mad. And that doesn't help anybody. So, Like, when does the invite need to open up into new possibilities? And so if you've been looking for friendships, if you've been looking for uh, community, you should find a place that is a great dinner where people belong and you're invited you get to be excited that you're there, that you get to enjoy it and open that party up to more people because there's still room. But don't just begrudgingly be like, I'm going to keep inviting. At some point, they're going to say yes. Find the people who are going to jump for joy at the opportunity. Find the people who feel like this isn't for me. They, they're not going to like me there. They're going to judge me. They're going to think I'm less than. Say, no, it's not that place. You're welcome. Throw the great dinner party. Uh, and that great dinner party takes us to the, the vision of the future, the vision of God's table, God's kingdom. One of the things that I, wanna, that I find challenging with parables is anytime there's a master, an owner, a king, we want to like one-to-one say that that's God in the story. And it's not always God, actually. There might be things we can learn about who God is in the midst of that figure but they are not identical to who God is. And so this, this table invites was someone who changed their invite. They, they realized something, they've opened it up. The slave got it from the beginning, the master didn't. Uh, and so there is something about the kingdom and about the future that is here, but it's not always easy and perfect to map it out. Something to keep in mind. Um, and, and t- especially when you think about the tension of losing your invite. Um, this is a story that's not something that's literally happening. It is a story to bring caution to people, a story to invite you to change. Remember, in the room, it's a bunch of people who could host great parties. I want to invite you to see a different way. And so the problem when we read this just as like the end times and, and God just cutting off invitations is this story is told with possibility that you can change. You can invite uh, those who are on the outside in. I do think it's worth wrestling with that cautionary note of how often has God invited me into something and I've made excuses how often have I said, oh, that sounds great, God, but you know, my week this week's a little busy. Maybe next week, God. We'll, we'll get back in touch. All the while, you're like, uh, uh, next week will always be next week. And so when has God invited you into the great feast? And we've just had some excuses for not taking that jump, not making that party. 
And so there is something in this text that invites you to take the reality and the gravity of, why would I turn down the great party of God? Why, why is this other thing more important to me? Why do I care more about my, my house, my property, this, this other thing I've got going on? And, and to reflect on that God is inviting you to something greater, inviting you into something that invites others in. And so I do want us to sit and reflect on that, of whether we accept God's invitation. And so in just a little while, we're, we're going to get into communion, and, and we're going to have the opportunity to accept God's invitation in this moment of, God, am I showing up to you? But I just want you to, to contemplate how am I showing up to God and how am I inviting other people into that experience with me? So that's what Jesus invites us into today. And would you just pray with me as we, we wrestle with what God is inviting us into? Lord, I, I thank you that each of us worshiping today have been invited in We've been invited into your great celebration. Lord, like that Isaiah text that we read this in prayer earlier, I ask that we might be better at, at celebrating that invitation, at, at cherishing your presence, at caring for those in need and, and those struggling, and that we might truly appreciate the invite that you give us Lord, I ask that you would turn our hearts to who you are inviting into the table, that we might be better at extending that invitation, that we might be better at inviting people into the opportunity that is in you, that we might find those who are longing for your acceptance, your love, your hope, and that we might celebrate all of that together. In your name, amen. Amen.